Welcome to the Canteen Podcast, a show for anyone who has feelings about food. Join host Ali Houston as guests open up about their relationship with food and their thoughts on nutrition. Nourish yourself with the Canteen Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Canteen Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Houston. Please don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. This podcast is made possible thanks to paleocanteen.co.uk, which is my company. That's paleocanteen.co.uk. Thanks, and enjoy the show. And we're recording. And I'm lucky enough to have with me today Dr. Andrew Jenkinson who is a consultant, gastrointestinal surgeon, and the author of the book, Why We Eat Too Much. Welcome. Pleasure to be here, Ali. Thanks for coming on. Um, I saw you, I think, on this morning, and um, you were talking about your book, Why We Eat Too Much, which came out in January, presumably because that's when people realize they've eaten too much. And... um, I thought it was it was a brilliant uh, kind of expose almost on the the, the ignorance that is uh, and misinformation that has been put about over the last kind of half century about this sort of thing. So can you talk me through your background a bit and how you came to write your book? Yeah, so basically, I have um, no experience previously in nutrition or, or or weight regulation. So I'm a regular doctor who then trained up to be a surgeon. And then I ended up at uh, quite a prestigious hospital, UCLH, University College London Hospital in central London, as the, you know, the, the leading bariatric or weight loss surgeon. So this is the type of surgery where we do gastric or stomach removing or bypassing surgery for people who have been dieting for uh, so long, for many, many, many years, and they just come to the end of the road. They, they just come to the conclusion that they can't adjust their weight down and keep it down by you know, dietary means. And they usually have de- developed other problems like diabetes, blood pressure, or, or other serious health problems. Um, and you know, after a few years in this job, obviously I can do the operations quite well. I'd learned how to do the operations, but so my knowledge of weight regulation was, you know, I, I was wondering why, why it was so difficult for people to, to, to lose weight and keep it off. And why, why was it, that they actually came to such extreme you know, surgery. They came to want such extreme surgery. And I thought that there must be something in weight regulation that we don't really understand. Um, because these guys were, I mean, people, they all had very similar stories, you know, and these people are genuine people who wanted to, you know, get well and get to a healthier weight, but they just couldn't do it. So I went away and did a lot of research in the whole area of, you know, appetite and metabolism, uh, and the research sort of expanded to, you know, um, the factors in the uh, genetics, epigenetics, and the environment that contribute to, to people's weight. Um, and the conclusions sort of appear in the book. So basically, the main conclusion is that most people have their own sort of individual weight setting. Um, and this is sort of determined by your genes. So there's some people who, you know, uh, unfortunate and their genes their weight is set high but it's also influenced quite a lot by 
external factors in your environment. And one of the main factors that's highlighted in the book is the type of food that you eat. So not the, particularly the amount of calories, but the type of food you eat will influence you know, whether your weight setting, your natural weight setting uh, is high uh, and obese or overweight or normal weight. Um, so you, you can actually get back control of your weight by influencing you know, these factors. Very cool. So I think of it sometimes like a thermostat because it's something, it's an analogy that people can relate to in their everyday life. Do you think yeah. that's a reasonable analogy so that um, the thermostat is set to a temperature or in this case a weight, something that you, you kind of genetically can't change, but there's almost a, a second dial that is the environment that allows you to affect the, the temperature setting or the weight setting in this case. Yes, exactly. So I think it's quite a good analogy, the thermostat analogy. So it's a little bit like um, if you came home from, from work and the house, the heating was on too high, the house was just too hot. Uh, what would you do to reduce the temperature? Would you open all the windows? So that would temporarily reduce the temperature, but then the thermostat would kick in and the heater would come on even more strongly and you're just wasting energy. And the same, in the same way, if you just go on a calorie counting or calorie and exercise type diet, you will lose some weight transiently, but you've not affected that weight thermostat, that weight setting. So your body's always gonna want to get you back by its own mechanisms, which are very powerful mechanisms, which we can talk about, um, get you back towards where your weight setting is. So the only way to permanently reduce your weight so your body is happier than you've reduced weight is to you know, address that weight setting. Mm -hmm. And um, it'd be good to talk about the, you know, the, different, uh, the different reasons that that happens, like you said. Um, yeah, so, the main, so basically, the, uh, the, the, so the weight setting is the first sort of big um, area of the book that's discussed how to reduce that, but also, um, people need to understand how the body sort of defends that weight setting, how, how it is that people keep on drifting back up to, you know, say your weight setting is 120 kilograms, you know. Um, why do you keep drifting back up to that and just staying at that? You know, you can lose 10 kilograms, but you go back up to that. And uh, what happens is the body has a very uh, efficient negative feedback system so that it will sense when it thinks you're in a calorie deficit. It thinks that, you know, uh, maybe there's a famine situation around uh, and it will reduce your metabolism drastically in order to preserve energy. And at the same time, it's going to increase your appetite hormones, which, work, which are quite powerful hormones working on your hypothalamus to give you sort of this voracious appetite. So not only are you tired and listless uh, and not burning much energy, but also you're 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 absolutely starving hungry and we've seen this in many patients they've got like great willpower they can do these diets for for weeks and months on end and they'll say yeah i can lose 10 kilograms i can lose 15 kilograms but then after uh, a month or six weeks on a for instance a 1200 kilocalorie day a day diet they will say well the the weight loss just stops after a few weeks and this is the body adapting to low calorie intake and it's just actually a long-term sort of evolutionary survival mechanism that we have. Um, so when the dieter on 1,200 kilocalories goes to the GP and says that this, this isn't working anymore, the GP you know, 
doesn't believe them because they don't medics we medics don't understand this negative feedback weight regulation system yet um, i'm hoping that will change with the um, awareness of the book yeah i hope so too um i think the the type of food obviously makes a difference and the, the food environment we're in right now isn't helping so whether it's um because people are dieting and, and not able to game their sort of evolutionarily programmed system or whether it's the type of food i mean you've said before that the western diet mimics opioid drugs specifically talking about sugar and vegetable oil could you expand on that uh yeah so basically the weight the weight setting or the weight set point as we describe it in in the book is determined one by genetics which you can't change but also by these external factors and the three areas that are discussed in the book are your average level of insulin um, so the higher your insulin level the higher your weight setting um, your average level of cortisol and this is the stress hormone so the higher that that level the higher your weight setting and also the ratio of these essential fatty acids that are found in you know fast foods so the first thing is insulin. So insulin, we know with a high carbohydrate diet, your insulin level is going to go up. So uh, as was discussed, as is discussed in the book, you know, we developed a much higher carb diet in the 1970s and 80s because we were scared of saturated fat because the government told us this causes heart disease. So the sort of whole diet of a population, the Western population changed and this coincided with the start of the obesity epidemic. Uh, and when you look at the evidence, I mean, the more carbohydrates, particularly refined carbohydrates that we eat, the higher your average insulin level. And we know if you treat someone with insulin, they're going to they're going to increase weight, so the weight setting will go up. We know when you withdraw insulin, your weight setting goes down. So it sort of it fits in that you know um, this much higher carbohydrate diet that our population now has coincides with an increase in the obesity level. Um, Highly refined carbohydrates like sugar uh, and wheat uh, affect the brain, going back to your sort of, uh, sort of drug question, affect the, the brain pathways in a similar way to opiate drugs. So we're talking about morphine and, and heroin um, in a much lower dose, but they do have that effect of giving you the sense of well-being. Um, so they definitely have a hedonic effect. So this is why people you know, crave and really miss sugar when, when they give it up. Um, the, more, the, the sort of more interesting area in the book that's highlighted that's sort of not so well known is you know, this, this fact that Western food is, is dripping with uh, omega-6 vegetable, omega laden vegetable oil. Uh, and we're not used to this as humans. And it sort of affects our, our cellular metabolism. It increases our insulin and you know, causes inflammation. But it also has, again, brain pathways that are similar to the endocannabinoids. So the omega-6 fatty acids that are found in vegetable oils and found in Western foods, particularly fast foods, uh, are precursors to endocannabinoids and act on the same receptors in the brain as if you're smoking a joint. Uh, so they do, crease, they do increase your appetite, your enjoyment of food, and they have profound effects on you know, your weight setting, your, whether you become obese or not. So when you're tucking into your sort of Big Mac fries and uh, sugary Coke, um, it's not surprising that you just get this really good sense of well-being, you know, that you're getting like a double whammy of like 
these endocannabinoid receptors and these opiate receptors being being stimulated. Uh, and we're only human. We know we're only animals. We 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 want to we want to take in what feels good. Um, and this is this is one of the problems with with fast food. Yeah, absolutely. So do you because think it's not, not just the fact that it makes us feel good, but also the fact that actually it's not very good for us metabolically in the long in the long run. Yes, because of course evolution would be foolish if it didn't make uh, the food that was good for us enjoyable. So you know, eating a fatty ribeye is is hedonic as well, but um, it doesn't have it doesn't come with the same issues. Yeah, I mean. Funnily enough, a fancy ribeye is one of my favourite foods, and I'm sure, sure, probably, uh, not, yeah. not sure what you eat, um, but probably uh, as as a paleo canteen person, uh, it's probably high up there. Um, people have sort of been conditioned over the last, you know, thirty years to be wary of uh, sat natural saturated fat and a ribeye steak or regular ribeye steaks. Um, and yeah, I agree that it does give a great, you know, sense of well-being, but maybe not the hedonic hit that. A, uh, a a Big Mac and uh, a large Coca Cola would, but uh, yeah, I agree. But we have been slightly deconditioned against conditioned against uh, saturated fat, which again is is um, discussed in the book. This whole history of the diet heart hypothesis, and you know, some of the uh, industry sponsored research, which actually turned out to be wrong, but actually. Has now become you know, ingrained in our in our thinking that saturated fats and uh, have have a profound effect on our cardiac risk. They don't actually. Sugar has a much higher effect on our cardiac risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, saturated fat getting the blame for what sugar, veg, oil, and flour did. Exactly. And, yeah. Um, do you think empowering people with this type of knowledge and suggesting they then take individual responsibility is the most important part of all this? Or do you think government has a part to play at all? I think once people read the book, uh, it's, it, it's sort of two-pronged. So it, it, it does give, uh, I think, sensible advice on how to you know, reduce your weight setting um, over a, a reasonable period of time. Um, and if you make the changes that are discussed in the book, they're pretty straightforward changes. Basically, you have to, you're encouraged to try and consume fresh foods, vegetables, meat, fish, you know, dairy products, standard oil, saturated fat. Um, pretty much a little bit like a paleo uh, type type way of eating, and cook your own food, and you know, really enjoy cooking. And if you can do that, then naturally you will just lose weight. You won't have to count any calories because. The great, the great thing about the natural foods is that it doesn't have high insulin, it doesn't trigger a high insulin level, and it has a much more, you know, uh, normal effect on your your omega three and six uh, ratios. Um, so, in the first instance, it does give good advice on, you know, what to do individually, but also I think it does. Uh, if any any government minister um, were to anyone in power were to to actually grasp you know, the, the real problem then, yeah, I think it would uh, hopefully influence government policy. I was certainly, I was in the, um, the all party committee last week on uh, obesity stigma, uh, speaking about, you know, the problem with obesity stigma. And the problem is that people don't understand that it is you know, a, a disease, a condition caused by the environment. If you place a population in a food environment like we have in the UK and, and America, 
a third of that population is going to become obese. And you can't turn around and then blame those people for being obese, particularly when one of the worst things you can do is start starving yourself and go, go on a low-calorie diet. It's going to make the situation even worse. So all these things are discussed in the book. So, yeah, I agree that um, well, I hope that uh, the, the issues in the book will be you know, taken into account, hopefully, in the future. <clears throat> and do you think for some people in the end bariatric surgery is the the best answer yeah so the book is really designed so i see the people at the end of the road they've been dieting for years uh they've got like health problems secondary to obesity and they're the 20 20 stone or over um and they've all then developed this condition called leptin resistance where which is again described in the book where your natural regulation of your weight has uh has totally broken down. Um, so there is a hormone called leptin, which is released from your fat cells. And the fatter you get, the more leptin there is in your blood. And this is sensed by your hypothalamus, which is the, you know, the, the meter in your brain that's you know, reading how much energy you've got on board, how, how long you can last without food. Um, and leptin should act by you know, decreasing, the higher the leptin level, the, the lower your appetite and the higher your metabolism. It's like the, the signal that the gas tank is full. And again, when you lose weight and you lose fat, your leptin level is low and you get a more voracious appetite and your, your metabolism is low, so it's saving energy. So leptin is a really good hormone to try and, and many people subconsciously, without any effort, will be able to you know, regulate their weight within a few pounds for years on end. And this is because leptin works. However, when you reach a certain threshold of obesity, leptin signals get blocked by inflammation and by, by insulin. Um, and so you've got this situation where you've got a lot of energy. Someone who's fat, you've got a lot of energy on, in their body that can last them for two, three months without food. But actually that signal is, that leptin signal is not getting through. Uh, so that they, in fact, the opposite signal is getting through, starvation signal. So they'll become much more hungry and, you know, they preserve more energy so the bigger you get the more leptin resistance you have and the almost the you know the worse it gets the more hungry and the more metabolically efficient you get and the analogy in the book is that you imagine you're driving along the motorway in your car and your sort of your your petrol meter is on low and you're about to run out of petrol so you sort of start panicking you want to you want to stop off at a petrol station as soon as possible when you get to the petrol station and you try and fill up, you realize the tank's already full. The problem is the gas tank meter, you know, the petrol meter. And this is exactly the problem with leptin resistance. So the, the meter, the leptin, the leptin reading meter is, uh, is broken. Uh, so that's sort of end stage obesity. And these people, you know, would, are suitable for bariatric surgery. But the, the sort of main, uh, almost, well, the book is great for anyone who's interested in weight regulation, but the people that would really help are people who are you know, overweight or in early obesity who may want to try and manipulate their weight, their weight down by you know, um, excessive uh, dieting and calorie counting. And it's for these people to say, look, hang, hang on, if you actually just take stock and uh, address the type of food you're eating, the sort of food you're eating, rather than the amount of calories, then the situation will improve and you'll be able to lose weight and keep it off. So it's for the overweight people, really. Um, 
Yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like a hellish place to be in as an individual. Um, yeah, let me listen. I mean, you see these people, um, most people who reach a certain weight actually binge. So they actually binge eat, so they, they, they lose control uh, particular times of the day and they will eat and eat and eat and feel really guilty at the end of it. And they tend to do it in secret, uh, usually at night. Um, and it creates a lot of, you know, uh, self-loathing and uh, low self-esteem but actually it's a symptom of the disease leptin resistance their body is telling them that they're, they're voraciously hungry you know uh, society is telling them that you know they're actually greedy and lazy but actually when you look at the science of it it's actually a proper disease and the symptoms are you've become voraciously hungry despite carrying too much energy on board mm. so it's a really misunderstood and uh, sort of heartbreaking conditions of their obesity. Yeah. Um, for people who haven't reached that stage yet, there's, you know, they want to lose weight, they're determined. So they, they try uh, a diet that's low in sugar, vegetable oil, refined flour. Um, sometimes a pound or two weight loss a, a week is not rapid enough for people, <clears throat> um, especially yeah. if they're already very big and, and they've got that determination. But how long... For how, you know, for how long should people plan to lose the weight, do you think? Um, I think, I mean, I think a pound or two of weight loss is perf a perfect uh, weight loss trajectory. You know, the, the faster the weight loss, the more severe the body will react to try and stop you losing weight. So if you can, you know, if you do a pound a, a week, uh, it's fantastic. That's 50 pounds a year. That's quite a lot of weight. If you do that over two years, it's, it's, it's great. You know, your, your problem is gone. My, my, I mean, we talked a little bit before we started the podcast about um, the low-carb diets, Ali. And I would say that the diet that really works to reduce weight fast is the ketogenic diet. But the problem is, as soon as you start to eat again, carbohydrates, the weight will come back on pretty rapidly. So... I think people should, maybe if they want to lose all their weight and keep it off, maybe try the ketogenic diet to see if it suits them because but, but it will only work if you remain ketogenic you have to that has to become your way of life and some people you know they they they, they embrace ketogenesis um but you know most people they find it quite difficult um so if you want to lose a lot of weight really really fast and keep it off you have to go on a ketogenic diet and keep and that has to become your way of life a keto person hmm. Yeah, I found that um, being very low carb has, has had some uh, positive outcomes for me and that even if I kind of go more paleo and not so low carb and have um, sweet potato or something like that, then I have a return of some of the problems. So it's been quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, the book addresses um, several areas that you can you can adjust your weight set point down. And the final area is that looking at the glycemic load of food, which I think is, is a, new, a new area that hasn't really been you know, looked into too much. So we, we have some low GI, so glycemic index type diets, where you know, you, you're looking at the speed that sugar goes into the bloodstream after eating it. But the glycemic load is actually the total amount of sugar or carbohydrate once it's finally broken down into sugar in it in each individual food. And so the final part of the book looks at the fact that we, uh, on average, will have 
300 grams of carbohydrates per day and it tries to, to get you to come down at first to 100 grams of carbs a day and then maybe if you can to 80 or 60 or lower but to try and not get into that ketogenesis, ketogenesis um, uh, disruption of you know actually the symptoms of ketogenesis uh, so I think if you just slowly go low carb by eating you know um, particular types of food that have got lower carbs um, slowly your weight setting will come down and the great thing about the book is it's got this index with all common foods and it's got the glycemic load uh, also and also the omega-3-6 ratio of, of many, many common foods that's great so it's like a it's like a one-stop shop and i like the way that um you're saying that if you decide to go keto it can be a very powerful tool which lots of people are finding but that maybe you will have painted yourself into a corner in a sense and that's quite good to know before you start yeah i think you're gonna i mean i think if you took probably if you took all the all the advice at the end of the book so i mean the main ones the first one is to reduce your to try and give up sugar and refined carbohydrate like wheat the second one is to you know actually address your stress and sleep levels so deconstructing uh, you know, work and family stress, making sure you have time to sleep properly. This is all really good for your cortisol level. Um, optimizing your omega-3-6 ratio of these essential fatty acids by avoiding Western foods and going into fresher foods, and then decreasing your glycemic load, as we just mentioned. If you can, if you can construct your life so you, you can do that, and maybe try and lose a lot of weight with a ketogenic diet. It may be that your rebound isn't so much. You will rebound up a little bit when you come off the diet. But if you come off the diet and go on to you know, this much healthier way of living, probably you know, it's going to have a good effect. So I just wanted to ask you as well, how important do you think exercise is to health overall? Uh, so this is discussed in the book as well. And I think there's a big... Um, misconception that you know you can just burn off uh, all your calories in the gym and that could be the end of the problem and it works and that weight loss works by you know that very that very mechanism of just burning and burning and burning and burning calories we know that um, the more calories you expend the higher your appetite afterwards and the body will tend to you know replace those calories but we also know that gyms work otherwise they wouldn't be popular they do work to reduce people's weight slowly and um, the book describes how you know uh, moderate to um, intense exercise will affect these two major hormones that affect your weight setting so your insulin becomes more sensitive after exercise so you don't need as much of it and that actually then leads to seamless weight loss and your cortisol level your stress hormone decreases significantly as well so that again leads to significant weight loss so i think exercise uh, affects your weight in an indirect way um, obviously the weight is ultimately influenced by the calories that are coming in and coming out but actually um, I think that the body is in such control of that that uh, you can't manipulate it in the gym, but, but, but you're actually improving your health, improving your insulin profile, improving your cortisol profile, and that then forces your body to de decrease your weight seamlessly. So I think that's how it works. That makes sense. Um, 
Well, it's been really good chatting to you. I really appreciate you coming on. Is, um, is there anywhere online that people can uh, follow you and find you that you want them to? Uh, I think I'm on Twitter. Uh, so it's Mr. A.D. So M-R-A-D Jenkinson 1. Um, uh, that's my Twitter um, address. So, yeah, people can get in touch with me via that one. Great. And, of course, to buy the book, Why We Eat Too Much. Yep. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Ellie. Pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. And please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. This podcast is made possible thanks to paleocanteen.co.uk, which is my company. That's paleocanteen.co.uk. Thanks, and see you next time.